Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I am Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. Welcome to episode 153. Ryan, today we're going to talk about spouses, significant others, partners, boyfriends, nice. and girlfriends, and lovers, and any other noun that I left out of the intro here <laughs> awesome man you know I, i've been thinking a lot about this because we live in, in southern california now yeah and a bunch of different cultures here and i find myself often when i'm referring to strange when i talk to strangers about my partner rebecca mm -hmm. um i often refer to her as my wife yeah and i know you you tend to do the same thing with mariah so, Just, yeah it, it, only if i don't want people to like dig deeper and what i mean by that is that i just don't have time to explain no it's not well, i mean we're technically partners but we can for five years probably not gonna get you know to like go in the whole explanation <laughs> so yes like to simplify things i will call her my wife yeah i ran into someone i, I was at the <laughs> salt lake city airport uh this past weekend and um someone uh came up to me and they're like you look really familiar and she's like what do you do and i'm like uh-oh what do you do <laughs> yeah i said what a horrible like yeah, yeah. <laughs> And and, and and sometimes, like, if I want to avoid that question, I'll just say, I'm a writer. Have a nice day. Like, like, although, really, like, the thing that broke me of my habit of that is saying, well, I'm really passionate about writing. Mm -hmm. and, and to me, this is the, the sort of same thing here with, with the spouse thing. Like, we, we get into these <clears throat> titles are important, uh, but they're not yeah. so important that we should it's just like it's with with uh, politics you think of someone i'm a republican i'm a democrat i'm a socialist i'm a libertarian mm -hmm. like this is a set of beliefs or all, uh, sometimes a set of ideologies or whatever uh but to to not polarize it like that like this is a table that is a label for this i have to label this thing so we can talk about these things labels right? are very important to help us identify whether it's a thing or whether it's uh, an abstract thing or whether it's a belief or whether it's a, you know, a perspective or whatever it is. I mean, labels are very, very important. I think we get, uh, we get in trouble when we start to um, identify with those labels. Yeah. When we I give mean, them so much weight that they mean everything, the label becomes more important than the thing itself. Right. Like, you know, the term minimalism uh, you know, I like to say I'm a minimalist for a lot of reasons. I think that it creates some conversation. I think, uh, like you talk about a lot, it is kind of the most perfect word and the most imperfect word, right? Uh, because it it creates a lot of different reactions when you hear the word minimalism feelings but, emotions. Yeah, but what that does is it creates a conversation. However, yeah, I wouldn't like ever just give a response like if someone gave here here's a present oh sorry i'm a minimalist <laughs> well, and, and, get out of here like that would be the wrong way to introduce minimalism to someone first off <laughs> absolutely yeah it, it would turn them off from the concept altogether right and then and then just you know identifying with the label that way like really i'm kind of, like in that situation using the label to uh to kind of as a cop-out almost right yeah. Right, right. And, and as if it explains everything right. and the label doesn't it it approximates something they are like i said it is uh, labels are very good to help us identify 
ideas and, and certain things, but yeah, they're, they are, that's just it. They help us approximately identify something. But in, in, at the same time, rarely outside of the, these four walls in our podcast studio, um, shout out to the YouTube audience. If, hello, y'all. What up? Um, uh, you, you know, outside of these four walls, rarely do you refer to yourself as a minimalist. Yeah. You ever. are a minimalist. You're one of the minimalists. Yeah. You, you would call yourself a minimalist. If someone comes to you and says, are you a minimalist? You're not going to say, well, I'm, let me, you say, yes, of course I am. Mm-hmm. But, but it, it's not, it's not particularly useful all the time. However, there are times where it's, it's the most useful label for something. Yeah. And today when we're talking about these things, um, I'm going to sort of intentionally sort of conflate all of these. The, the, the catch-all term is sort of significant other, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because that can mean your wife or husband. Mm-hmm. It, it can mean your boyfriend and girlfriend. It can mean the roommate that you've been dating for a while. It, it indicates that you've got someone uh you've got a relationship with someone that that is a romantic relationship but even that label itself is is troublesome to me because significant what, what, is important significant other or romantic relationship the, the significant other okay um because when well, even romantic relationship we could talk about that um but but the significant other because the person is other like rebecca in my life is you know you could say the other half or whatever right um but it's also it's more than other it's a union it's together yeah and so it's not just other and so Mm. there there are problems with with many of these labels but i found myself gravitating more and more toward this term wife and Mm -hmm. i think the the reason being you know bex and i aren't married um we don't have a set of religious beliefs that Mm -hmm. requires us to be married in order to to cohabit that's the best response when people ask like are you gonna get married no we're probably not gonna get married why not just not that religious (laughs) yeah well and and then i also have an aversion to government uh mandated marriage too because for so long it's a little odd government didn't let certain sets of people get married because they shared the same genitalia Mm -hmm. and uh it's like well yeah you this these two people have permission these people don't have permission and and it's like the government was was uh, the one mandating who could and could not be in relationships, basically. Right, but which is weird because who started the, the when you think about the beginning, the founding fathers, George Washington was not married according to the government. There was no such thing as government mandated marriage licenses right. back then. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a covenant, and so really, what we're talking about here is a covenant or a commitment to someone else. Mm-hmm. And does that require a piece of paper? Now, Ryan, you and I no. are business partners, and I'm sure we have. Have a piece of paper that's signed somewhere in some file cabinet <laughs> somewhere but that doesn't that that means far less i think contracts are backward looking right this mm. is something from seth godin he's written about contracts in fact podcast sean if you can find the essay about contracts he talks about contracts versus handshakes mm. a contract looks back and it says you know what I've been hurt in the past. And you know what? I have been hurt in the past. I had a, a, a bad marriage mm-hmm. um, and it was bad because of me. I was the one doing the hurting. In the process, I was also battering myself. So mm-hmm. I was hurt because of me. I, 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 I picked the wrong partner for me and we picked the wrong partners for each other. We figured that out over time. In fact, we're much better off now as friends and we get along really well. <laughs> And, uh, and so I had a wife and with that, I had a negative connotation with that for a long time with, with yeah. the, the term marriage or with the term wife, because I was like, oh, this, this thing called marriage isn't going to work for me. And what was I saying there? I was telling myself this thing called commitment isn't going to work for me. Yeah. And that was, man, that was a, that was, 
there was a certain amount of trauma involved with that and, mm. and i didn't realize it at the time but but i had all these negative associations not just with the the union between two people but with commitment mm. in fact before i met bex i was pretty sure that i was not going to be in another long-term relationship like it just wasn't for me yeah. and that that's difficult to realize but then you also realize like oh maybe that's because i've been carrying forward some unnecessary baggage mm. into my present life so the the contract looks back and it says well i've been hurt so i'm going to sign this contract that doesn't allow this person to hurt me anymore mm. what a way to get into a relationship mm -hmm. however a handshake or a commitment that's what a handshake is right mm -hmm. it's a commitment for the future and and i can say you know i'm committed to you ryan and and, and our our friendship our business and, and we can shake hands on that. We can hug it out and say, I'm committed to this. It doesn't require the piece of paper. The piece of paper itself does not equal commitment. And in fact, quite often, the piece of paper gets in the way of the commitment because we can point back to that and well, say. <clears throat> it's funny, man, because like these questions that we have coming up on the voicemails, it, it actually kind of reaffirmed why I don't want to get married. Mm. Um, and I'm not saying every marriage is, is, is like this. Uh, this is a me problem. Yeah. So when I, when I get, when I was married, um, I found, I don't know. I just found it very easy to care less about the other person because for us to split up, she was really going to have to go through a lot of work in order to what do you mean and the real it's, they'd have to get a lawyer we'd have oh, to right, right. we have to split everything up i mean it was like this process of breaking vision of assets right and and it's and it's not like at the time i was married i was thinking oh she's stuck with me so i don't have to worry about doing x y and z uh -huh. it was this like subconscious complacency that that was seeping in and and honestly i didn't even know it until looking back on it, i was like oh like that whole like waking up next to someone and first off feeling like, Oh God, like I have to be here. Oof. Oh my God. Like I, yeah, I've got to be here. And like, that's we, the contract. And part, we right? haven't really been getting along that well, but, but man, I can't really do anything about it. Well, she can't really do anything about it either. So it's, so it's like, it becomes this complacent feeling. It's that disempowering. I, yeah. I never want to have that again, man. And, and when I, and when I think about the, the, um, the questions that are coming up, uh, some of them, at least one of them to me, it seems like that might be what's happening in the relationship where you've got one person in the relationship who really, really wants to do X, Y, and Z, and the other person just isn't having it. Mm -hmm. And if they weren't married, mm -hmm. uh, I guarantee it would be a different conversation. If someone came to, you know, uh, if that person came to the other person and said, hey, I really need this, I need really need X, Y, and Z to happen, uh, and they weren't married, they're going to be like, oh, okay, yeah, I really like this person. Maybe we're heading towards marriage one day. How, what can I do right now to like really secure this relationship? Well, what happens, you know, five years, 10 years, 15 years of marriage, you know, you've, oh, I really want X, Y, and Z to happen. Yeah, too bad. I mean, I see that. Too bad we have this contract. Yeah, too bad we got this contract. I ain't doing that. And uh, if you don't like it, then it's going to take you a lot of uh, work to get out of this relationship. Well, that's the, what you said was so profound there with the, the have to. I can't believe I have to wake up mm. next to, as opposed to get to, right? Mm -hmm. And and the the it's contract thinking. And, and by the way, you don't have to have the contract to have contract thinking. There are some people who are in relationships who aren't married who feel like they have to be in it for whatever reason. I have to do this. And, and that's not real commitment. No. 
And, and it's not. I, and I can't tell you how many times I've heard, I hear people say, um, man, if I could do it all over again, I just wouldn't get married. I just wouldn't do it. I mean, I've heard people say that a lot of times. And if, if you know, for me, if I was in a relationship, especially a marriage, mm. and I was thinking that in my head, like, oh, if I had to redo it, I wouldn't get married. What the hell am I doing in that relationship? Yeah. So, so again, um, marriage, there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, it's, it's a me problem. This is not a marriage problem as much as it's a Ryan Nicodemus problem. And I have to live my life a little bit differently to, uh, uh, to live a meaningful life. And, and, and honestly, like to not get married, that, that is more meaningful to me waking up, choosing every day Mm -hmm. to be with someone rather than having to. Yeah. Commitment is really birthed out of that everyday willingness Mm -hmm. to recommit yeah as opposed to like well yeah we 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 may we and by the way you can do this whether you are married or not married you're recommitting every day every week every month every year to each other yeah or you can choose to say well yeah 17 years ago we signed this piece of paper so the the question you just asked like if i had to do this all over again would i is a perfect question for minimalism in general every every widget that we buy every place that we move every every new relationship we bring into our life if i had to do this over again would i and Mm -hmm. if the answer is no well then you have just found your new direction in which to travel yeah yeah i I think about jonathan friends and he uses the term spouse equivalent with his with his significant other Mm -hmm. um and and bex has assured me i shouldn't use that with us so um why is that (laughs) it just sounds so cold right spouse Spouse equivalent equivalent. yeah that's funny yeah so i mean the thing is i found myself slowly over time retiring this word partner um and and uh both uh intentionally but i found in order to be more communicative with certain people when i'm having these conversations it's using the right verbiage it's Mm -hmm. using the right dialect to describe what our relationship is like and Mm -hmm. our relationship is much more like a a marriage Mm -hmm. than it is a she's not my girlfriend but i mean i'm approaching 40 years old i'm I'm a bit old to have girlfriends Mm -hmm. at this point Mm -hmm. um but it's a lot more than just the boyfriend girlfriend thing it's just a number man (laughs) it's just a number yeah yeah tell that to my back yeah it's so funny man i was i remember when mariah and i first started dating we were having this conversation because i i wasn't comfortable with the word girlfriend and um because is it, is it you weren't comfortable because it signified too much commitment or up up front no for exactly what you just said oh okay I felt too old so uh because that's the thing too especially with younger people like ah, i can't really call him my boyfriend yet or my girlfriend we're it's just like, dating because i'm sleeping with other people right <laughs> so so i was explaining to mariah um like hey exactly what you just said about being too old for a girlfriend i was like i really don't know what to call it i guess partner and uh there was a woman in the room uh one of our uh one of our friends uh, a friend of Mariah's family and she was you know she's probably 20 years older than me maybe 15 years older than me and she was like you know at 30 you find it hard to you say the word girlfriend she's like think about it 50 mm. because she was da- you know she dates and stuff she's like you know 50 I have a hard time saying boyfriend yeah and it was right then and there where I'm like actually I don't care anymore about the word girlfriend like because it is it's just an age thing like it's yeah. not that's not the big video but you know uh, at the end of the day man at the end of the day <laughs> at the end of the day I always say at the end of the day <laughs> um, he does literally like at, at night before he goes to bed he's like good night Mariah at the end of the day <laughs> it's the end of the day Mariah good night <laughs> no man I mean the, the, the fact is is that I will use uh, the word wife when I don't 
feel like someone digging deeper because I just don't have the the time or you know the the mental bandwidth to explain yeah. why Mariah and I've been partners for five years. Um, but yeah, dude, it's it, they at the end of, they are just labels, dude. That's yeah. all they are. They're just labels and, and I think at the end of the day <laughs> go ahead, no don't say it uh, no I, I think i think where where i'm at with this is what's appropriate not just for me but for the situation mm-hmm. right and talking about these things and and really what's important is not the label itself you know i call rebecca rebecca in fact i'm probably the only person who calls her rebecca yeah <laughs> uh everyone else calls her bex or becca and and that's the label i give her most of the time is just bex or rebecca mm-hmm. and 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 for me that's an appropriate label but what is really important here is not the label you can set those aside whatever mm-hmm. you're comfortable with use that label mm-hmm. and forget what other people have ha- have to say about it what is important is your willingness to be supportive to, to be caring yes. to be loving to be understanding and and to show that person how they want to be shown love yeah and and if you can do that then regardless of whether or not you're married or you've just been dating for a week you have found this partner the significant other this lover this person in your life who who is someone you want to love and the labels are just just yeah. that they're labels well you know it's funny dude i just got this uh aura ring i'm showing the youtube audience i just got it yesterday literally and um I had a, is that measure- a mood ring. It's a mood ring. Yes. What's your current um, mood? I <laughs> silver, flossy, black. I don't know that silver or black. I forget what order. Is that silver or black? It doesn't matter. Yes. Um, <laughs> long story short, like this is on my ring finger. Um, I chose to wear it on my ring finger. Uh, I got it measured for my ring finger. Mm-hmm. I, Mariah and I intentionally did this mm-hmm. uh, as a symbol, so people do understand that we are in a committed relationship. Mm. Um, but. But again, like that is something that Mariah and I did that were that was good for us. Yeah. It's not for other people, but it's something that we did for the two of us. Mm. And we didn't have a ceremony. We didn't sign a piece of paper. It just, in fact, we ordered these rings back in January, and I, she hasn't got hers yet. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm the only one that is symbolizing that I'm in a relationship. <laughs> She's out with several other men, but men right you now. Know, I just, I want to say though, before we dive into these voicemail questions, anyone listening to this, anyone watching this, if you are in a marriage. Ask yourself, would you do it all over again? Mm. And if the answer is yes, I want you to take, I want you to pause this podcast. I want you to take a moment and appreciate the awesome relationship you have. If you're there in the room with your spouse, pause this podcast, give them a big old hug and kiss because I do love seeing awesome marriages. There are some amazing marriages out there that like, I real. I don't think again, I'll ever get married, but there are marriages out there that, that I, I totally envy and, and really, really, uh, support people, yeah. you know, who, who are in those awesome marriages. Yeah, people, people that you respect and what you're saying for you is the piece of paper doesn't matter, but what matters is your commitment to Mariah, her commitment to you. Mm-hmm. And by the way, everything is always subject to change just because you're in a marriage doesn't mean that that won't end one day. I mean, what is it? 50% of marriages in, in the United States end. It's, you know what's so messed up, dude? What? 50% of the marriages end up in divorce. How many mar- How many people are still married and miserable? Man? Yeah, how many marriages have ended, but the divorce hasn't happened yet? Yeah, so the, qu- yeah, so the question is, like, to me is, like, how many people are truly happy married? It's... It's obviously fewer than fifty percent of the yeah, pe- marriages. <laughs> maybe maybe half of the remaining half. Yeah. So it's a quarter of marriages might work. <laughs> I mean, maybe. we're this is all anecdotal, and we're just throwing out numbers here. But but I, the reason why I'm bringing this up too is like the people who are telling themselves like, yeah, I would do it all over again. Like that, you are in a very very small percent. Not very very small, but you are in the smaller percentile. So yeah. congratulations. Uh, yes, congratulations, and keep up the great work. Our first question today is from Sintley in Los Angeles. 
me and my husband have a really hard time talking about money. Every time we bring it up, he gets very defensive and it just turns into an argument. And every time we said we're going to make a budget or do anything productive with money, it never, ever happens. And we've been married for almost two years. And as you can imagine, that's causing a big problem. I believe we have to have clarification and you know, just clarity when it comes to finances, especially as a married couple. Do you have any tips for a couple making a budget together? So, Ryan, I figured we might as well turn to the expert on, on finance and marriage with this. We, we, we were just on Dave Ramsey's show uh, a couple months ago when we were doing the Simply Southern tour with, with his team yeah. um, down in the South. And then Ramsey, uh, Dave, he invited us on to his show. And I mean, I can give you, and in fact, I want to talk about what he talks about because you and I might differ a little bit from from his advice. But I think it's sound; it's a sound foundation upon which we can we can we can build our own advice. Yeah, let's listen to it. Katie is with us in San Diego. Hi, Katie. How are you? Hi, Dave. I'm good. How are you? Better than I deserve. What's up? Well, I'm just trying to get some advice on how to get my husband on the same page with our budget. He's kind of more like, since we don't have any debt and he works really hard, he's in the Navy. So he's kind of like, I work hard, I don't really want to be on a budget. When, call the ambulance, I work hard, And I'm kind of like, I don't care, we're sticking to this budget. Yeah. Okay. Tell him, look, I don't care if you work hard or not. You're not a little boy. You're a man. Right. And I'm married to a guy that I need to be a man. And a man actually is mature and plans into the future with his wife. Mm -hmm. And so uh, a budget is you and I sitting down together and telling Mm -hmm. our money what to do instead of just working our whole life and then being freaking broke. Right. Okay. That's all it is. I mean, you know, just call him out on his manhood. I mean, he's in the Navy. Come on. You right. Know? And I and I kind of did call him out, but he's just like, well, I just feel like Wee. I work for it. And I'm Wee. like, well, you work for it. So you want to end up with nothing and you want your wife to make all the decisions. I don't want to be your mother, darling. I want to be your wife. Exactly. I feel like his mom sometimes. Well, you're dead gum right because he's, well, yeah. works so hard. I should be able to buy whatever I want. What are you in Congress? <laughs> I mean, seriously. <laughs> This is that's ridiculous. Yeah. It's just yeah. I mean it's absurd. He's just being a, he's being a, he's being childish and you need to call him out on that. I mean you can do it right. you can do it with humor, you can do it smart aleck or you can be real caustic like I'm being, which might not be mm-hmm. as effective actually, but um but I'm trying to communicate to you that you're exactly right and he's out of line. Okay. And so you need to do you need to lean in on this. How old are you guys? I'm 29, he's 30. Okay. Well, it's time to grow up. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. You're a real boy now, Pinocchio. So let's get on with it. You know? Okay. We're 30 years old. Let's um, let's be something, right? And, and right. Listen, a budget does not mean he can't do anything after he works hard. I work my butt off. I want to buy some stuff. I go along with him on that. But I'm not going to mm-hmm. be irresponsible and have my, my wife make all the decisions by herself and carry all the weight of the household finances by herself because I just don't want to deal with it because I work hard. Right. I mean, now, I agree. Now you're—he's probably never going to be a budget nerd, right? No, absolutely not. And I don't want him to be. I'm not asking him to be that. I'm just asking him to look at the situation with you and agree to 
our family's goals and what our family's going to do. And that includes his vote. He gets a vote on this, right? Right. So I do the budget at our house. I'm the math nerd at our house. And, you know, Sharon and I make the decisions together, and then we both stick to them, and then I do the actual implementation. Okay. All right? All right. Thank you. Thank you. So I, I think if I were to rephrase anything Dave said, because uh, he, he said, you know, uh, question his manhood. <laughs> right. Certainly, that's all you got to do. Just question your husband's manhood. All right, next voicemail. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you want to question, I, I mean, you, you want to show him that he is an adult and you respect him as an adult. And I think that's ultimately what he's saying. Like, if the tables were turned here, I think what Dave would have said, if it was a guy calling in, he would have said, you know, question her womanhood, mm-hmm. meaning her, her adultness. Stop. He did say it later on in, in, this, uh, in this conversation with the woman. He said, yeah, it's time to grow up, basically. Yeah. And I think that's, that's ultimately what he's talking about here is, is grown-up people have a budget not because it's constraining in mm-hmm. a way, but it because it adds certain constraints that actually allow you to do what you want to do together the the sort of goals of the family right yeah yeah i I mean if i was certainly i would i would um i don't know man it's i wouldn't question his manhood uh i mean i do agree with dave ramsey in the fact that you do have to make people mad sometimes to get them to take action but i think in a in a relationship especially romantic relationship attacking the other person yeah is is definitely not the Definitely not the the best first step. But what I would say, certainly, is, you know, ask your husband what his goals are and then express to him what your goals are. And you two are going to have to come to an agreement on what the family's goals are. I mean, Ramsey, uh, the one thing that really stood out is is he said that when it comes to his finances, you, you know, we have our family's goals. Mm-hmm. Um if as a couple you don't have the same goals, that's a problem. In fact, if you have separate goals that are pulling you in different directions, it's you're going to continue to have money problems. Even a bigger problem. So, so certainly the, the the first and foremost, anytime anyone asks us, how can I, uh, you know, what, what do I do with my partner stuff, what, uh, finances? How do I get my partner? How do I get my mom? How do I get my? It, it is you don't get them to do anything. What you do is certainly you go way out of your way to support your husband. That is first and foremost. Mm. You have to show your husband support. You have to show them appreciation. You have to show them respect. And once you show that, then you have taken the first step to create a very strong relationship and a strong bond. Once you have put that work in, certainly, if, if you know, you're listening to this right now, certainly, and you're like, yeah, I've done that. I have gone way out of my way to respect him. I've gone way out of my way to appreciate him and, 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 and to support him. Well, that's where you get to go and ask for support in a very kind way. Mm-hmm. And again, you've heard me say this probably a thousand times if you've been listening to us for the last eight years. Whenever you're talking to someone, whenever you say the word you, it is a compliment. Whenever you say, uh, whenever you say the word I, that's where you throw all the negative stuff on it. So in Sentley's exam- <laughs> using Sentley as an example, she would say, hey, you're a really good husband. And uh, you know, I really love that you are in my life. I really want to afford X, Y, and Z in six months, or I, I really have this goal, and I know that this goal might be a little bit uh, seem a little bit daunting, but because you're such a great husband, I know that you're going to go out of your way to support me, mm. and uh, that should start to get him to see it your way. Um, you know, I'm not trying to jump the gun here. But, you know, if, if anyone, not just Sentley, but if anyone is in a situation in a, in a relationship where 
their spouse is just fighting them tooth and nail with everything after mm-hmm. they've, you know, after they've gone out of their way to show support, after they've gone out of their way to show respect, um, you might want to question that relationship at the sense of, you know, where is this relationship really going? I mean, they, she said she's been married for a couple of years. So, you know, obviously like plenty of time to work stuff out, but you're, but you and your husband have to get on the same page somehow. Yeah. Well, and, and so I think the way to get on that page and you, you, you're absolutely right. You have to get on this page before you're, you're going to be even be able to talk about the budgeting. You know, I can give you a budgeting app and say, yeah, you go to the every dollar app, but she's going to be in the same position with a better budgeting tool by herself. You, right. you go to the every dollar app and she's still going to be budgeting by herself and her husband is going to be spending willy nilly. Mm-hmm. They're not going to have their objectives aligned. And, and so a few things I'm going to look at. One is what are your, what are your values and do your values match up? You know, Bex and I tend to go over our values. We, we just had a, a family meeting and we sat down we went over every single one of our values said you know I changed this one from last year and this one is more important to me now and you know what I realized that I've I've built up some resentment over time because of this value is not being fulfilled and we need to talk about that and some difficult conversations but you can have these difficult conversations and you can even disagree without arguing or or attacking someone else's character and, yeah. or someone's manhood or womanhood and uh, I, I've noticed that that some quite often there are objectives like so certainly my guess is you're going to go to your husband and he's going to have some objectives right like well mm-hmm. the reason i don't want to do a budget is x y and z so there are objectives but then there are real issues behind the objectives mm-hmm. the objectives are, are surface level and you can usually get past those so the, these are just uh these are speed bumps someone's trying to put up to, to stop you right but you can get past those what are the real issues behind those objectives sometimes it's self-esteem quite often uh, especially the man in a relationship will often feel inadequate if there are money problems in Mm. the relationship Mm. and and so does he feel inadequate and that's why he doesn't want to feel like there's a budget if so then how can you help him feel more adequate no i was i think that's great dude you know maybe maybe certainly starts with the question of um hey what is it going to take to get us on the same page with the budget and just leave it open-ended And, and that will present forth the the objectives that yeah, he's going to have. Yeah, some objectives. But you know, I'm thinking about this too, man. Let's let's say that uh, you came to me and you're like, "Hey, dude, uh, we just moved to Los Angeles. Um, you know, it, it, we we got to come up with a budget, mm-hmm. w- whatever, dude. I'm just like throwing a scenario out there. Um, we have to come up with a business budget." And I just looked at you and said, uh, no, sorry, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Like, how long is that business relationship going to last? Right. It, if you can't if you can't get on the same page with money, with your romance, I mean, I'm not, uh, couples isn't always best to work together. So I'm not trying to, to say that if you can't work with your spouse mm-hmm. in the business, then you probably shouldn't be married to them. That's, that's not what I'm trying to say here. Um, what I am trying to say, though is that when it comes to a romantic relationship, uh, you should be even more willing to cooperate with that por- person more than what a business relationship is. And if you can't talk about money in a relationship, then you shouldn't be in a relationship. Absolutely. Especially in a long-term committed relationship. Yeah. And, and that's that's important. So yeah, I, I agree. So what you're saying, Ryan, is listening is key there. When you're, you're going and you're asking the question, but then you're stepping back and saying, uh, nothing. You're saying nothing mm-hmm. at all. You're simply listening to those objectives, right. and you're considering those. You don't want to dismiss them, but think about each objective, and more important, think about what is behind the objective. It might be the self-doubt, the self-esteem issues, the inadequacy. It could be fear. Maybe he has some sort of fear of, well, if I start a budget, I'm not going to get X or Y or Z. Mm-hmm. 
And if that's the case, then show him how he can get X, Y, and Z. In fact, maybe feel more secure in getting those things with a budget. Uh, Last thing that that I'll say here is um, I get defensive when one of two things happen. If I'm offended. So if I were to come to you, Ryan, and say, hey, we need to put a business budget together. And you're like, screw you. Yeah. I'm going to be, of course, I'm going to get, de- you've offended me now. Right. I'm going to get defensive. Right. By definition, that's when, when, when you start to get defensive. Yeah. Right? Especially like if you came to me and were, was voicing a concern <laughs> and being, a, you know, being, being very kind and legitimate and it was a legitimate concern. And I just look at you and mm-hmm. say, F you. Yeah. Now you could also be postponing and say, yeah, I don't want to talk about that right now. That's fine. Mm-hmm. When should we talk about it? Let's get a date on the calendar right now it doesn't have to be immediately let's get a date on the calendar next week so that we can talk about this if i were saying that's that's what i would say hey can we sit down and talk about the budget and he's gonna say no i really don't want to talk about it right now no problem i totally understand that and yeah. i support you in that you're not in the right mind space in fact let's give ourselves a week so we can get in in the right psychological space to discuss this without any emotions we're going to mm-hmm. discuss this very objectively and so how about next wednesday we sit down and we talk about yeah. this at 6 p.m and uh, um, the, the other time that I, I get defensive, and, and this is when it happens more often than not in, in a lot of relationships, it certainly happened with, with me a lot, is when I feel out of control. I feel like I've lost control. Mm. Now, me personally, I'm, I, I, I have control issues. I, I, I know that I'm a bit of a control freak and letting go of that control I've learned over the last several years is the best way to regain a, a different type of stronger emotional control, mm-hmm. being willing to let go. I mean, it's the reason we work with other people now. I'm not in here running the cameras by myself because I need to figure that out. We have Joe Nomo over here. That's, Joe Nomo. That, that's the the YouTube commenters have, have given him that. Uh, that's the brief. Yeah, Joe Nomo. Joe Nomo. <laughs> Yes. We have podcast Sean. We have Jessica. We have Jeff and we have Dave. We have our partners. I, we, we have all of these different people in our lives that I have to relinquish control mm-hmm. to, right? And yeah. so right now, Sintley's husband might be feeling like he has lost control. Possibly. And so what, so what do you need to do? You need to ask yourself, how can you help him regain part of that control so that together you have control of the situation? Yeah. Also, um, if, you're, if you're married, you, you, you want to be really open about your money and, and, and you probably want to combine your money as well as combine your accounts because as you're doing that budget, if you have two separate budgets, you might as well have two separate households at that point too, right? Yeah. Because he's going to have his little bit and he's going to spend on what he wants to and you have these conflicting interests. But it also means that you have to agree on your purchases too, certainly, and, and the way that you're spending money mm-hmm. as well. Part of this relationship, it's, it is a, a giant sort of us box, um, but in order for you to to understand what his interests are, what his desires are, what he wants to spend money on, he's going to have to understand yours, but mm-hmm. you have to get a, real, a grip on your, your spending as well. And you have to be willing to put it all on the table and work on it yeah. together. I love that, dude. Like, Sentley could totally go to her husband and say, hey, I know the budget has been something that we've been trying to get on the same page with. And, you know, I understand that it's, you know, it's difficult because you really want to whatever you want to go out on Fridays and you feel like you're not going to be able to do that. You know what? Um, I'm going to go ahead and sacrifice getting my nails done every other week um, cause I want you to be able to go out on, on, on Friday. So what other things can we do yeah. to get on the same page with the budget? I mean, really, that's just an example of showing respect of showing support and, and ultimately being kind. I, I think with, in any relationship, if you can do those three things, 
Like that is really going to create some meaningful conversation. But we've got to be able to look in the mirror and say that, yes, we are truly showing respect. We are showing appreciation. We are showing support for our partner. If you can say that you you truly are doing that, then try to have a, a kind conversation to see how y'all can get on the same page. Yeah. I think uh, one of the things that will help you, especially if you're in debt, uh, I'm not sure if if you're in debt, if you're if you're really trying to, to create a budget, there there's likely some sort of debt there. Um, Dave Ramsey has something called Financial Peace University. It's uh, I think a nine week program, yeah. um, and I think there's over a thousand of them across the uh, across the United States um, going on simultaneously. Yeah. And what's really nice about that it's is a great tool, man. Is yeah, you can show up. You have the materials, but you also have a, a community of people that yeah. are going to help not just hold you accountable, but help hold you through the process, guide you through the process. And, yeah. and, and that's important. You'll see other people going through the same thing that you're going through. So Sean, if you want to put a link to that in the show notes, I think it's relatively inexpensive, like 70 or 80 bucks. Also, um, podcast, Sean, if you can reach out to Dave's team, I know, uh, is in Los Angeles. They have a smart money event. It's, uh, I think Dave and maybe Chris who was on our podcast, um, in January, it's down in Irvine in Orange County. Um, it's like a day-long conference uh, called Smart Money. We'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. We don't get anything for that. I just yeah. uh, I think you'll you'll find some help in that. And if you can give Sintley a couple tickets, if she's willing to go to that with her husband, I think maybe she'll she'll find some value in that. And then from yeah. us, I'd l- love to give you a copy of our book, Essential. It's an essay collection with 150 different essays about intentional living. It's 12 different chapters, 12 different topics about how to live more intentionally. One of those chapters is about finances and how you can be more intentional with your finances, with your budgeting, with debt, etc. So podcast, Sean, if you could reach out to Sentley and give her a copy of Essential, if you like the audiobook, or if you like our podcast, you'll like the audiobook version of that. Or if you want the book book or the ebook, we'll be happy to send those to you as well. I think Sentley's got like some really good, you know, I guess advice here, some tools. That's a better way of saying it. She's got some really good tools here to use that you've presented with her, uh, presented to her for, for her and her husband to use. Um, I guess I'm trying to give Sentley some hope here. Like you are, you've only been married for a couple of years. Like it's still relatively new and fresh. You're still figuring stuff out, mm-hmm. but if you have the right tools and, and put the effort into it, as long as both people are putting the effort into it, um, yeah, you'll get it figured out and it'll be fun. Yes, indeed. Our next question is from Timothy, somewhere in California. I have uh, started practicing minimalism, and I've been um, uh, trying to follow just a life of meaningfulness. And my wife uh, really is not into it, which is not a problem, because I realize it's something that I personally want to do. But it really bothers me that I cannot talk to her about it. She, uh, every time I mention it, she gets um, upset, starts rolling her eyes, and saying that I blow with everything in the wind. And so I just wanted to know if you had any uh, suggestions on how I can still continue to practice the life of minimalism without um, being able to talk to her about it. Dude, I this question that Timothy asked just made me think of something. Um, and it's kind of I guess it applies to both questions, but Mariah and I, when we first moved to our new apartment, we were working out. There was this, um, there was a service that is free at the apartment that we, that we live at. Mm-hmm. I could care less about this service. It's like, it's uh, gro- uh, delivering groceries. Essentially you give them like a list. They come once a week and it's again, like the apartment building, it's a service that they offer. And Mariah was like, Oh, this, this would, you know, might help me out. Um, 
uh, save me some trips to the store. Uh, do you want to sit down and, you know, go over this list? And we were kind of going back and forth with it. And eventually I got frustrated and I was like, you know what, Mar? I'm like, you figure it out or cancel it. Like I, I, I you know, at this point, like it doesn't affect me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that you're interested in. Uh, I appreciate you trying to get my, uh, get my input. Uh, but ultimately, you know, this is your thing. You deal with it. Mm. You know what she said to me, dude? What? She did, it made me feel so bad, dude. And by the way, the, my response is like that is not appropriate, man. Like I, I'm, I'm not perfect. I know, no. Josh. I've just crushed my image with you, but I'm not perfect. That's alright. We'll bleep out all the words that you use. <laughs> but you know, she said to me, she said, Ryan, um, I really, uh, I really don't feel like you're supporting me, and I feel like this isn't really a partnership at this point mm. with, with this particular thing. Yeah. And I, I guess with Sentley or with Timothy, you know, if you're getting a ton of pushback to just say something like, man, I really was hoping to partner up on this mm. and I was really hoping to support one another on this. And I feel like, uh, I, I feel like we're not working together. I really thought you're going to work together with me. Yeah. And uh, do when, when Mariah said that, like it just, it helped me see like, Oh, I'm being a dick. And uh, I, I, even though this doesn't matter to me, it matters to her. Yeah. And because it matters to her, uh, it, it should matter to me a little bit, yes. you know, if anything. So, yeah, I totally, like, you know, just kind of re, re, took a new approach, rethought kind of what, what I was doing and, and, and what I was saying. And we ended up working out and everything's fine now. Um, but yeah, just, just being able to take a moment with your partner and say, Hey, um, dude, you and I are partners hmm. and like, we are in this life together yeah. and right now I don't feel that way. Yeah. And, and I think reframing is often really powerful. There's a new essay up on our website right now called, would you be willing to, and it's five words that totally changed my life over the last five or six years since I've been using it. Uh, you notice that we were, we were flying down to Brazil, mm-hmm. um, when was this? Uh, a few weeks ago, I guess. And there was this huge debacle with the tickets. They booked us on the wrong flight in the wrong seats. And you, and, and we got to the counter and she's like, well, there's nothing we can do here and you're going to have to... Div-. And I just looked at her and I said, hey, would you be willing to help us? Yeah. And she looked at me like, well, you can't... I said, I understand that, but would you be willing to help us? Yeah. Because the implicit message there is, hey, I know you care. Mm-hmm. And if you care, of course you're going to be willing to help me because what's the alternative? Screw you. No, I'm not willing to help you. Yeah. When you asked her that question, man, it like, exactly. What is she going to say? Oh, no, I'm sorry. I am not willing to like that. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. And, and, and it's because what I'm saying is I, I'm actually empowering you because mm-hmm. she might say, well, I can't. And I'm saying, yeah, but would you be willing to? Mm-hmm. I, it's almost in a way saying, I believe that you can. I know that you have the power to. I am empowering you with this. Would you be willing to help? Mm-hmm. So, Sean, maybe put a link to that essay in the show notes. I, I, those five words, you know, if I buy the wrong item somewhere, say, hey, would you be willing to give me a refund? Mm-hmm. Um, or I found it for less money somewhere else. Hey, would you be willing to help out with this? Would, would you be willing to? Because if someone cares... They're unlikely to say, nah. Well, the other thing too, man, is like that question, The impl- to me, the implicit uh, statement is, you work here. Uh-huh. You do have the ability to help me. Right. Uh, so it's your choice whether or not you want to help me. Exactly. And it's worked really well in, in my relationship 
because instead of saying, "Hey, do this," I'm dictate. You're not. It's right. so much better than demands. It's more. It's more empowering than demanding. Because if I would have went to that woman and said, "No, you're going to fix this," that might work in some cases. No, you work here and you're at the, we're at the counter. You can fix it. Fix it. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, so dude, that's... Put, put yourself in their shoes. What would you rather hear? You and I worked in customer service for a long time. <sighs> it's so funny to me how customers don't realize that the person that they're asking for help has the power. Right. So it, bl- it always blew my mind when customers, you know, came into our cell phone stores and they're, you know, throwing phones at us. And <laughs> Literally. It's, yeah. And it's like, oh, like I, not only am I going to go by the book on this, I'm going to do as little as I can for you. Right. Because the way you're treating me right now, exactly. I'm not going to reciprocate with niceness. Going back to the showing support. Or showing respect, mm. just respect, dude. Like that question shows a lot of respect. So with, with with Mariah, what you maybe could have done in that scenario is saying, "Hey, um, this is really stressing me out. Would you be willing to take care of this for us? Because mm. I, I feel like this is something that uh, you'll be able to handle on your own better than if I were to muck it up." And and maybe just approaching it that way, she would have felt more empowered to do that. Mm. I, I noticed that with Bex when 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 I ask her to do something, it's, "Hey, would you be willing to do?" blank and whatever that blank is it's better than saying hey i'm gonna need you to run to the dry cleaners a day and do this for me it's like oh now i'm making a demand Mm -hmm. and then what she is she gonna reciprocate later with further demands of me no it's about it's about asking these questions that are empowering both of us now here's the thing timothy asked how can i be a minimalist without talking to my wife about it you can't man um well you maybe you can what are you gonna hide your minimalism it's gonna be a where where are you gonna hide it yeah I mean, nothing is impossible, right, Josh? You don't have any any of your stuff. <laughs> you don't have any stuff to hide your minimalism under. You don't have any stuff to hide. <laughs> there you go. Maybe you hide your minimalism in her stuff. Oh. <laughs> Here's the thing. Communication is key. So you don't want to hide anything if you're in a relationship. With if you're, In fact, I struggle with this personally because whenever I, I get into like a... Um, well, I've, had, I've said, had some health problems over the last month. July and August were two of the best months of my adult life health-wise. I felt amazing. And then I got sick uh, at, at the beginning of September. I got like this cold and like it stuck with me. And uh, I've had all kinds of digestive issues. And like I've just, I have I've gotten to like this deep funk. Like September was was a bad month for me. And my my natural inclination is to retreat onto my own because I'm an extreme introvert and I don't want to be around anyone because I don't want to tear anyone else down. I don't I don't want to be negative around you, so I just retreat. I'd rather be by myself. But um, part of being honest and be, is being vulnerable mm-hmm. and, and being it's it's not piling on the excess of oh woe is me. You don't want to be that. You don't want to be oh look at all my problems. But you want to be honest about. Yeah, I'm struggling right now. And thankfully, I have a significant other, a partner mm-hmm. in my life who understands that and is caring and is loving even during the really trying times. Mm-hmm. And if I couldn't communicate with her about something, whether it was minimalism or it was housing or geography or values or anything else, if I couldn't communicate with her, what's going to build over time? resentment yeah and that resentment is going to fester and 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 that little that little baby monster in time is going to turn into godzilla Mm -hmm. and so you want to address this now or you have this little baby monster because eventually you're going to have so much resentment that you're not going to be able to kill godzilla right 
Yeah, I, I totally agree, man. I mean, ultimately, <laughs> the relationship is going to be really, really tough if y'all can't support each other's passions. And it sounds to me like Timothy is passionate about minimalism. So, you know, Timothy, maybe it's the way that you bring it up. I mean, really ask yourself, like, how are these conversations about minimalism, minimalism, minimalism? You Ella? Yeah. <laughs> uh, how, are, how are these conversations, uh, how are these conversations unfolding? Yeah. Is it, is it truly like a natural conversation where Timothy's like, oh yeah, like I had a really good day at work today because I got a lot of the clutter cleared from my desk and I had a really nice day at work and realized I could, you know, I could focus a lot better without all the clutter. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, did she say, oh, shut up with that minimalism stuff. I mean, <laughs> if that's how the conversation went, then, then, uh, yes, Timothy, like you've got to be able to going back to what I told Sally, show your uh, partner support, show them love, show them respect, and then ask for some of that back. Uh, there are many things that I am into that Mariah is not into. Um, I mean, her and I go mountain biking. Uh, I am way more adventurous. Mm -hmm. There are certain trails I don't go on with her uh, because I know that she's going to have a bad time. I'm going to have a good time. But Mariah doesn't make me feel bad about those differences. Yeah. Um, I mean, she will go out of her, her way to support me. So really the question, Timothy, is, is not how... How can you, you know, have a relationship? How can you have a marriage without bringing up minimalism? You're right, Josh. Like, it, it's not impossible, but damn, that's going to make a really bad relationship. Yeah, yeah. And so, so when we talk about having a relationship, well, why would you want to be in that relationship at all? And so, so maybe she's reacting that way, though. If she comes back and he's like saying, yeah, I feel great that I got rid of the clutter. And she's like, oh, with that minimalism stuff again. Maybe the problem there is that that's the objection for her. But the real, what, what's the underlying thing below the objection? Maybe she feels judged. And yeah. So how can you show her that you're not judging her, that this is something that is helping you? And then by proxy, it. it's helping your family, right? That's absolutely it, man. Because the other thing I was going to say is, Timothy, are these conversations unfolding in a way where, you know, she might say something like, oh, I've just, you know, I've got a, I've got too many shoes in my closet. And, and then Timothy comes back, well, if you were a minimalist, you wouldn't have this problem. Yeah, like, but maybe that, that's the thing. Maybe she, and I've, I've realized this, God, I've realized this so much with Bex. Um, she doesn't need solutions probably. Right, exactly. And, and you're a man and you're probably trying to provide solutions. And, and my guess is because Timothy's calling up, he's actually looking for solutions. So he's a problem solver. And offering right? solutions is putting blame on the other person. Yeah, it is, it is judging that other person. It is looking at that person and saying, your life would just be better if you did this. And it doesn't matter if it's minimalism or if it's religion or if it's politics. If you're talking to someone and your life would be better if you just X, Y, and Z, that mm -hmm. is the worst way to get someone to support you. Yeah, it's the worst way to change someone. Instead, instead of providing her with solutions, uh, provide her with your ear and listen to her concerns. Because the only time you're actually going to be able to talk about this minimalism or budget or anything else is when she feels like she is in a safe space to talk mm -hmm. about it. Mm -hmm. And right now, she feels judged. Mm -hmm. And because she feels judged, it feels like a dangerous place for her. She feels attacked in a way. And you're not, you're not intentionally attacking her, but mm -hmm. even providing her these solutions that may have worked for you may not work for her. Mm -hmm. and and so you need to find a way that she feels safe and comfortable enough to have this conversation. Yeah. How, how, Timothy, how can you show her how invested you are in the relationship? How can you go out of your way to show her that really the reason why you choose to live a minimalist life is to 
uh, is, is to live a meaningful life for yourself, but in turn, that helps the two of you live a more meaningful life. If she saw it from that perspective, it would be very hard for me to believe that she still wouldn't support you. Um, again, like just don't, don't offer her solutions. Offer, uh, show her the the benefits. I mean, that's what we always say, man. Yeah, and offer her your ear as well. Yes. All right, uh, Timothy, I'd love to send you a copy of Everything That Remains. It's well, there's there's a chapter in there in particular. So it's it's my favorite thing that we've ever written. It's it's uh, a memoir about our lives from being these suit and tie corporate guys and then moving all the way over to becoming minimalist. It's this five year narrative, but there's a chapter in there about the us box. Yeah. And that's one thing that, that's going on right now in a lot of relationships yeah. and Timothy's relationship. In What's particular. that us box look like, Timothy? Yeah. Yeah. Who's, who, who's given to that us box and who's taking, right? Yeah. And so an us box and I won't go through the whole thing. There's a, a long a long chapter about it and it's probably my favorite chapter in that book it's toward the end it's called harvest moon and and in that us box you're giving to it but you're also getting from it what are you getting from the other so every relationship there's an us box if you're watching on youtube here it's right here in the middle of the table <laughs> i contribute what i can it's not always going to be 50 50 in mm-hmm. fact in certain areas it's going to be 90 10 in some areas it's going to be a hundred and zero because you, someone may not be able to give at a particular season of life yeah uh and so you're giving what you can into the us box and you're taking not what you can but what you need right. from the us box yeah so sean if you could reach out to timothy give him the audiobook version of that or if uh, you want the book book or the ebook we'll be happy to send you one of those as well i just thought of one more thing man um with timothy so i know that this comes up a lot in relationships um i, I remember the pernicious relationship you had uh, you knew i liked fancy things yes, indeed. like uh you were dating that girl who um basically saw the path you were going down she got upset i like fa- you knew i liked fancy things yeah and, when, when i was becoming uh, a minimalist yeah, and leaving the corporate world yeah so so here's the thing um let's say because i have seen this in a relationship where one person really uh they they love stuff being purchased for them they really like to get gifts and I'm not going to sit here and say that that's their love language because that's a whole other di- might, that's a whole other digression we but, can go but they on. might perceive it as their love language they might perceive it as their love language so really when someone to me when someone says that getting gifts like that's how they are shown love that's how they feel the most loved it, do, it, it doesn't have to be a physical item um, one of the biggest arguments I see when we talk about love uh, or I'm sorry about gift giving not being a language of love mm-hmm. people will say well that's not true my husband uh, you know he'll, he'll clean the house for me and I really really appreciate that it's like well yeah that is that that is showing love it's it's not the the it's not necessarily the gift as much as it is the attention it's adding value to someone's life that's yes. a love language so the question is is Timothy how can you add value to her life? And let's say that one of the biggest hangups, because I know there's someone listening to this where this is the issue in their relationship. One of the biggest hangups is where uh, your significant other, let's say Timothy's uh, wife here, really, really loves to get stuff purchased for her. Well, then Timothy, go out of your way to find a very meaningful thing Mm. to get your wife. And it doesn't have to be a ring. It doesn't have to be a bracelet. It could simply be like some concert tickets. It could be like, hey, honey, we're going to go watch the sunset together. You don't have to purchase anything. But, But showing her that you still want to fill her life and show her support, show her respect, and you still want to fill her life with love the way that she perceives it, um, find ways to do that. And Timothy, if you do that, brother, she absolutely will start to support you. I promise. 
Yes, indeed. Enjoy that copy of Everything That Remains. And uh, for those of you listening to this, we'd love to hear what you have to say. So if you have a comment or a tip about spouses or marriages or boyfriends, girlfriends, lovers, including advice for any of our callers today, leave us a voicemail, 406-219-7839. You can also email a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com. We'll air our favorite comments and tips on a future episode. And stay tuned to the end of this episode for this week's listener comments and tips. Ryan, what time is it? It's time for our lightning round where we answer questions from social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Minimalists during the lightning round. This is where Ryan and I each do our best to answer every question with just a short, shareable, less than 140 character response. We also put the text of these minimal maxims in the show notes so you can copy and share our pithy answers on social media if you'd like. And now you can find all of our quotes in one place. Thanks to our good friend Jessica Lynn Williams over at uh, minimalmaxims.com. All our quotes are over there. All right. Our first lightning round question is from the Mad Hermit. Sounds like another introvert. Why are you so mad? (laughs) Hermit. How do you throw out your spouse's stuff without making them mad? Let me repeat that, Josh. How do you throw out your spouse's stuff without making them mad? Wait, wait. The mad hermit is asking this question? Oh, my God. All right. So, um, <laughs> well, I guess, right, the qu- um, you know, the mad he, hermit just needs to ask themselves. Uh-huh. It's, how, a, it's how, a guy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, he can ask himself, how can my significant other throw my stuff out without making me mad? Yeah. And then just just mirror that with your spouse. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> well, but if he's a psychopath, then he might maybe say, he wouldn't care. Yeah, yeah. He wouldn't care. Um, but yes, I agree. It's what what is it like the golden rule versus the platinum rule? Oh do unto God. others as they want you to do unto them, right? Um, as opposed to like how you would do it. And so yeah, that's a good point. Well, I'll give you a pithy answer here, and then let, let's expand on it a little bit. Um, trashing someone else's stuff isn't letting go. It's theft. <laughs> and I mean that literally. You're it, stealing their stuff. And, yep. and and I believe even in a combined uh, uh, relationship, it's, people have individual property rights. And if Bex... <laughs> were I'm to, glad you believe that. <laughs> well, um, I mean, there are th- many things that Bex and I own together. Mm-hmm. But like my t-shirt, if she were to just go throw this away, mm-hmm. I would be like... Why'd you throw away my t-shirt? Right, right. And... And if she and then you go throw something of hers away just to get even. <laughs> yeah, and then that solves the problem. But you'd, but you'd pick something that meant a little bit more to her just so you could have, <laughs> so you could one up her a little bit. Yeah, we continue to escalate till we're throwing out like <laughs> I don't know furniture and setting the house on fire. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it, and in fact, uh, so so we're we're going through this exercise right now, uh, getting rid of of some furniture, and it really has to do with with communication. And in, in, in that communication process, it's just like, oh, yeah, I was thinking about this. And she's like, oh, I really want to hold on to this. And I, okay. Um, why do we want to hold on to it? And, and notice the we. Why do we want to hold on to this, yeah. right? Because it's us. It's not, well, why do you want to hold on to that thing? Mm-hmm. No, why is this adding value to our lives? The best way to start an argument uh-huh. is to say the word you followed by a judgmental uh, statement. Yeah. It's the best way to start an argument. You love clutter. Yeah, and, and to keep it going, just keep doing the same thing over and over again. It <laughs> creates great arguments. Yeah. Which is great for like, I don't for know. For nothing. For television, maybe. Yeah, for reality TV. Yeah, but uh, but otherwise, That's I would... still not good. Yeah. <laughs> avoid getting rid of your, your significant other stuff and instead talk to them about it. Yeah, the best way to ruin a relationship is to try and control the other person. So... 
the Mad Hermit, I would throw this back on you and say the question isn't how can you throw out her stuff without her getting mad. The question I would be asking myself is how can I support my partner the best way I can without compromising my values and beliefs? Mm. And then you approach your partner and you explain to them, hey, here's what I am willing to do because I love you so much. There are a couple things that I really need help with because I've got this problem. Mm. And here are my problems. Would you be willing? Yeah. And it may not even be a problem. It could be a preference, right? Yeah. And by the way, it's also listening. So in going through that exercise with Bex and saying, hey, why why do we find value in this thing? Or why why aren't we going to get rid of this? It's truly listening and saying, and and it's us having that conversation together. And sometimes we, we end up at a different place where she might be like, oh yeah, like, you know what? I don't really want that. Or you know what? I, I thought I needed that or I thought I liked it, but not really i've been there's another new essay that's up on our our website now um called well it'll be out by the time this podcast is out called uh do i really want this i've been doing this with my clothes recently so just yesterday i i went through a bunch of like clothes uh and i started last week Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, so we got the 90-90 rule or whatever. Have I used this in the last 90 days? Am I going to use it in the next 90? Yeah. But even clothes that fall within that, I'll pull it off the, the hanger in the closet and say, okay, do I really want this? <clears throat> and if the answer is hell yeah, mm-hmm. then I put it back on the hanger because hell yeah, I, want, this, I really enjoy having this shirt or whatever. If the answer is no, well, then obviously I donate it. If the answer is, I don't know if I really want this. Mm-hmm then I have to wear it within the next week. Hmm. I have to wear that piece of clothing within the next week. So I had this jacket that uh, I wore last week and I was like, no, don't really want it. Hmm. Like I thought I wanted it, but do I really want it? And after experiencing the item for a day, I was like, no, I think someone else will get more value from this. And I gave myself permission to let it go, even though it (laughs) fell within the 90-90 rule. Dude, I totally, this morning I was walking to work and I was like, where are those Toms at that I had? I think you bought me a pair of Toms maybe. Okay. And uh, it was... It was back when it was it was it was a little bit ago. Anyway, long story short, I got rid of them. Mm-hmm. I donated. It. She's like, "You donated those?" I was like, "Oh, I kind of wanted to wear those." <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I got here just fine with my flip flops, and they're really not that big of a deal. But but yeah, man, I, I I totally agree. Like when it comes to my clothes, um, God, dude, like they're all the same. Mm-hmm. So none of them are really a, actually these pants I have on. They're just about the only hell yes that I have, just because mm-hmm. they're comfy and I think. They I think look everything good. you own is a hell yes, though, and because yeah. you don't have a whole lot of variety in your wardrobe. Mm. So like, you're a hell yes is black t-shirts. Yeah, that's a hell yes for you. Like hell yes, I'm going to wear a black t-shirt today. It's more like a I have to wear something. This is the best thing I look in, yeah. so I'm going to wear it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm with you, man. Fair I'm enough. I, I think it's a hell yes. What's our next question? <laughs> All right, our next question is from... Is that Louie? Lou. Lou. Our next question is from Lou. How can I figure out the difference between having a great relationship and settling for an easy, comfortable relationship? This is a good question. Yeah. That's a great question. Because sometimes we confuse the two, right? Mm -hmm. We confuse, well, this is kind of, in fact, you know what, man, the reason that I know Beck stayed in in her her marriage, her and I were both in eight-year relationships. She was married before we were together, and I was married before she was together, obviously, and uh, we were both in these eight-year relationships, and I think the reason they lasted as long as they lasted is because they were easy yeah and, and comfortable it was, yeah it's like well I've, I'm, I'm following this trajectory i'm going with the flow and this is what i'm supposed to do mm. and so my pithy answer is this easy relationships atrophy 
simple relationships grow. Amen. And it's about making that distinction. We're working on the uh, the soundtrack for our second documentary right now, and one of the songs is called "Take It Easy." And I asked uh, I asked Nate if he could change the title to "Take It Simple." We we have a <laughs> uh, we have a uh, uh, essay on our website from years ago, but it's still one of my favorites. It's, it's I accidentally there was a, like a UPS or FedEx guy dropping off a package one day, and in Ohio you hear people all the time say "Take it easy, take mm-hmm. it easy." It's just like a you know it's like saying goodbye, right? Yeah. Well, I, for whatever reason, like I, uh, something that day, I was writing about simplicity or something, and as he left, I said, "All right, take it simple." And I'm like, "Wait a minute, what?" And uh, and ever since then, I've actually signed my emails with "Take it simple." Yeah, man. Because easy is just that. It's easy. It's unintentional, but simple is intentional. It's deliberate. It's curated. A forest fire is easy, but a a beautiful display of fireworks is simple. Yeah. I mean, for me, man, to have a good relationship, it needs a couple things. It needs, uh, it needs respect and it needs support. Mm. And, you know, I don't sit there and, um, analyze every relationship and list them out from one to 10. Okay. Here's my, here's my most supportive and respectful relationship all the way to my least supportive. If they include those two things, then uh, I'm usually okay. So my, my pithy answer is if a relationship is missing support or respect, it's guaranteed to be pernicious guaranteed. Mm. And that's really what I look at when I look at relationships is, is this a relationship where we both show support? We both show respect we both are giving to this us box. We're taking as we need, and 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 uh, that usually for me means a a great relationship, and and not just an intimate relationships either. It's yeah. a relationship with podcast Sean, Absolutely. with friends, with family. You have to show that support and respect yes. in order for that to grow. Absolutely. Now, now September for me, Ryan has been a, a a hard month, and thankfully I have a simple relationship with Bex. Um, it's, not, it's not simplistic. Absolutely. It is not. <laughs> is that what you were going to say? Yeah. yeah it's, <laughs> it's not a simplistic relationship. Right. It is intentional mm-hmm. and uh, it, it is curated, but I've had a really hard time and Bex has been really supportive. So I've tried to, so I won't get into too deep on the, the uh, you, you know, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, I've had a bunch of health problems the last two and a half years and uh, finally really dialed them in. July and August, two best months of my life because I cut down the only eating five foods. Uh, I was eating meat and green and coffee and chocolate and what was the other thing? Water, I think. Um, all uh, fat, like oils. That was it. Um, and in September, I, I started like reintroducing some some carbs back mm. in because I, I, I knew that long term, I didn't want to be on you know, a full carnivore diet or whatever. Right. It's been really useful and radically reducing inflammation. Um, but I wanted to bring more plants back into my life. And in doing so, it made me really sick. And, and, mm. and I've actually heard this uh, from people um, I got really depressed last week, man. And oh, I, don't, dude. I don't use that word. I don't. In fact, I don't think I've ever used that word to describe my emotions. I'm sorry, dude. Um, Why didn't you call me? Well, I, yeah, I, I was. I mean, I talked to Bex about it. And well, you got someone to talk to. Yeah, and depression she, is like. I mean, depression is no joke, dude. Well, I don't. Depression I don't, is worse than sadness to me. Oh, way worse. Yeah. It, in fact, I it, it's worse than despair. Like I felt despair in the <clears> past, <throat> and, and and the reason I don't use depression and I don't take it lightly is 
both of my parents were clinically depressed. My mother was a depressive. My father was a manic depressive schizophrenic. Mm -hmm. and, and so there's certainly a lot of like family history with that. And I've never been a person who experiences depression. Over the last couple of years, I've experienced despair because I'm like, man, I'm never going to heal. I've got all these inflammation problems, the back problems, my gut problems, the C. diff, all of these problems that I had. And I felt despair like, oh, there's no hope for the future kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But I never got into this this crippling depression and there was a day last week where i'm just like i do not want to be alive anymore mm. like i i i just damn dude it was i've never felt those depths before is it um is it a symptom of everything of the health problems leading up or was it just a feeling of like were you depressed because of the health problems or did the health problems lead to you all of a sudden just being depressed? Does that question make sense? Yeah, it does. I, I think it was, I, I, it has more to do, it's, it's hormonal. So bringing these certain foods back in mm. and with my certain gut issues that I have, it changed the you know, the chemical makeup of my body. Mm. And, and in doing so, it made things that before would have been annoying or saddening or frustrating, it amplified them to the point where I felt like stuck and felt like everything was pointless. Mm. And it was a really dark place to be in. I feel like things are pointless all the time. <laughs> it's not a depressive feeling though. It's actually kind of a freeing feeling yeah. well, about yeah. how we give so many things, this, these meanings, but it's like, I'm going to be dead in 50 years, dude. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, and, and that's the problem is, is I'm like, well, I'm going to be dead in 50 years. Why not just be dead now? Yeah. It, it's, it's, yeah. And uh, I've I've never I've never felt what I felt last week, and it was mm -hmm. a combination of, of of certain things and and feeling stuck, um, and and it had to do with the and the chemical makeup of you know. And so I talked to my doctor, and he's like, "Yeah, well, go back to what you were eating, and then very slowly reintroduce things." Because I was trying to inter introduce a bunch of things at once, basically. Like, mm -hmm. all right, I'm ready to start taking back on some of these these carbohydrates. Yeah. Not no junk, no processed foods. Yeah, like, my diet is pristine, mm -hmm. but like, let's incorporate some of these things back in. And as I did that, like it put me into this downward spiral and it was wow. really rough and I'm, I, I'm i'm definitely not all the way out of it but there was a there was a a period of a week where it was like i'm feeling like like i there was one day i looked at bex i said i literally feel like i woke up on the wrong side of the bed damn it dude i feel like <sighs> yeah i feel like just a lot of times you were like oh my god i've never felt healthier and now, now, and now you're and like, oh, I'm so depressed. Well, and it's like, and, and, and maybe even more depressed. I'm like, oh man, maybe I just should have, why? I'm so stupid. I can't believe I brought these foods back in. Mm. I was feeling so great. Um, and now I'm doing this. Like I did this, I self-sabotaged. And mm. like, um, and what I realized, cause I was back in Missoula when this happened. I, what I realized is there was, I, there's a whole lot of trauma that I associate with, with Missoula. Like really? Absolutely. Wow. Because uh, the peak of my health problems where I thought I was dying. I remember October 2016 oh, I thought I was dying and then I every time I go back to Missoula now I feel there there's a trauma attached to that so mm. uh, I'm reaching out to my therapist and, and we're gonna have some conversations about it um, I, I've worked with a therapist through nourish balance thrive and um, 
we're gonna have some conversations about it and, and better, trying to better understand like how to, in fact what I'd love to do because neither one of us we both of us have a lot of trauma in our childhood and, and the funny thing is like there's some things that should be traumatic that aren't traumatic to me because I don't associate trauma with it right yeah but there are other things that like we can associate like I can't believe the lights came on in the during the middle of the podcast and, mm. and there's some sort of trauma there yeah and for me like I, that's the other thing that made me depressed being back in Missoula where I was like this everything is going great in our lives right now we just signed the big deal I can't talk about yet but like our next big project that, that I'm looking forward to uh, sharing with the world like that was great the Today Show and Megan Kelly are coming out to our houses this weekend to like film us and, mm -hmm. and like, I'm back in Missoula this beautiful place and like all these things I'm like if, if I were to like objectively look at the pro and con list, my column of pros is just like, boom, 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 boom. Everything is great, but I feel this way. I feel mm. a complete, and that, that actually made it feel, made me feel more despair. Like everything's going really well. And I feel bad. Yeah, and it's not that I even wanted all of these things to happen or anything. It's not like I was striving for them. It's just good things are happening. I mean, Missoula mm. is a beautiful place, but I have a certain amount of trauma associated with yeah. that place and I need to work that out. Yeah, dude. The other thing too, man, and you know, I'm not a therapist, dude. You are the type of person that, well, dude, when, when at the end of 2014, when your health issues really started to kick in during tour, mm -hmm. um, at the end of tour, I'm like, dude, like you need to take a month off. And you're like, yeah, yeah I need to take a month off. Mm -hmm. And then like, you took the month of December off and I remember you calling me and you're like, yeah, I was pretty much going to kill myself not doing anything. Yeah. So you are this type of person who you will fill your plate up mm -hmm. as much as you can. Mm -hmm. And you know, if it's too little, you don't feel good. Mm -hmm. And if it's too much, you don't feel good. Right. So it is this constant balance of trying to, cause you just listed off all these pros. That's all. We got a lot of pros going on. Yeah. We got a lot of pros going on. Uh huh. So maybe that's something to think about too is, is there anything we need to take off our plates, man? Right. You know, I mean, that might be, I don't know. And, and be, it, no, there. you're absolutely right. And being willing to let go of any of those things so that you can, you and can we are. thrive. Yeah. We absolutely, I mean, anything that. And that's the thing. We say no to so many other like wonderful opportunities right now. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, thankfully we have the vice president of no over here, Mr. Podcast Sean. <laughs> He's allowed to say no to everyone for us. It makes things easier for us. Yeah. Um, hey, you have a project you want to work with us on? <laughs> Just send us an email so Podcast Sean can tell you no <laughs> <laughs> and it's not that we don't want to do it it's just we don't have the bandwidth no, i mean yesterday we we, how many do we i get at least one email a day or a tweet hey i got something i want to work with you i want to partner up with you on it's right. like wish i could say yes to all 400 requests i get a year <laughs> even 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 with our own team yesterday i mean jessica whom i love and she has a bunch of great ideas i had to say no to her on about four different things she wanted to work on yesterday because mm -hmm. i'm like i just I, and it's just me being honest look, look i don't have the bandwidth to do that yeah i would love to do that mm -hmm. um i just know that in order to say yes to that i'm gonna say no to something else that i've already said yes to yeah. and so yeah you're right ryan we, we have to continue to reevaluate in fact there's one thing that we're about to do right now screenless saturday is a new essay that's on our, our website yeah um actually the day that we're recording this um but uh <laughs> there was so i got it's funny i got i looked at my email and saw the the, the essay came out today i'm like there's something ironic that was the point, right? <laughs> it's this. Like, this, this is our final hurrah. And right. you know, Jessica's putting, you, you've seen those. So on our Instagram account, have you seen that art? Um, I've seen art. <laughs> how do you like it? <laughs> I like it. I love an art. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, there's this artist who 
took these pictures of people on like whole families like on their cell phones like laying in bed uh, backs to each other uh staring at their if you're looking at youtube you can see me like staring at their their phone but he photoshopped the photos out of oh yeah we've talked about this yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah and so she's posting this on our instagram today for screenless so like today is the final day on there, there's three things you can do with screenless saturdays i'm i'm jumping ahead because i was going to talk about this during the right here right now but this conversation is going well so let's just go with it um <laughs> Yeah, screenless Saturday is one of three ways that you can you can adopt this if you want to join the minimalists in doing this and I think Ryan and I will probably do it differently so for the rest of the year we're doing starting October 1st we're doing screenless Saturdays and the way that works is number one uh, the the social media fast so the, the first step is if you just want to get off social media on Saturdays, you give yourself a break, right? Because the thing we're talking about here is a break. Yeah. Um, and the thing I wrote in the essay is, you know, a heartbeat is a heartbeat because it stops. Mm. It, the, the, the stop actually rep- is, is what needs to happen before it can beat again, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's sort of the same thing with us. In order to develop the right rhythm, the, the, the right sync to life, and maybe even our social media life, we have to stop from time to time. So Step one, if you want to remove yourself from social media, then just do so on Saturdays. You take a, a little digital sabbatical on Saturdays. Yeah. Um, or you can do the, the real digital sabbatical where you get rid of the other the, the TV and the computer on yeah, Saturdays as well. In the closet. Yeah, you, yeah. you can just, just hang it, hang it up for a day. And uh, that's what our friend Rob Bell does. He mm-hmm. he avoids those screens on um, on Saturdays from Friday night until until uh, Sunday, he just shuts his computer down and, and avoids that. And then the, the third step, if you want to get really radical with it, all avoid all digital or all glowing screens altogether, including your phone. Now, I know most people aren't going to do that because you want access to the Uber app or whatever. I totally understand that. But You got to wh- call your mom on Saturday, whatever. Right. But why not at least try it out? And even if you fail, you'll probably learn a whole lot about that experiment. Yeah. So, so the question then is, what is the most appropriate for you? Maybe it's just Let's hop off social media for one day a week on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you're going to do this with us, let us know. You can ping us on Twitter. Just just don't do it on a Saturday because we won't respond. Yeah. You know, we're not going to see it. I mean, you it. can ping us, but that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, it's funny because Mariah and I, we're going to try the extreme approach mm. um, just to just to get... Uh, just to see how... Just to experiment. You know, yeah. we talk about the stoical experiments that we do. Right. This is one of them. Um, but I know like there are a lot of times where Mariah and I like we'll use a Saturday to like you know veg out on Ozark mm-hmm. or maybe we go see a movie mm-hmm. so uh, we are going to try the extreme version of it mm-hmm. uh, but we are not going to continue to deprive ourselves if that's what we find ourselves doing right, but the, temporary, so the temporary deprivation will help you learn what's truly adding value to your life 100% P.S. Ryan we have one more question that we're going to answer here Nice. James asks, how has minimalism affected your relationships with your significant others? What have been the positives? What were the negatives? And were there any surprises? So, yes, there have definitely been positives. Uh, Yes, there have actually been negatives uh, that I would associate with minimalism. And there certainly have been surprises. And if you'd like to hear our answers to that question then you can listen to this week's Postscript episode over at the Minimalist Private Podcast. It's available exclusively to our Patreon supporters. And if you want to support our show and keep this podcast 100% advertisement-free, then head on over to theminimalists.com slash support. In addition to our weekly Postscript episodes, the Minimalist Private Podcast feed includes our monthly Ask the Minimalist Anything episodes, unreleased recordings of our live events, 
and the entire back catalog of past private episodes. Once you become a supporter, you'll receive a personal link to our private podcast feed so that it plays in your normal podcast player. You can find all the details and all the good stuff over at theminimalists.com slash support. And here is a snippet from this week's Postscript episode. Being intentional, it means you can't put problems off. Yeah. It means you have to address them in the moment. And guess what? That's more difficult than going with the flow and pretending the problem doesn't exist. Yeah. But it's actually less difficult in the aggregate it, it, because you're, you're constantly dealing with the problems as they arise. Okay, now it's time for our added value portion of the show. This is where we each talk about something that has added value to our lives recently. Um, well, you know, I've been listening to a lot of albums recently, but this this new black album, it's called it's good, man. East Atlanta Love Letter. Spelled 6-L-A-C-K. Right, right. Because <laughs> that that's how the kids are spelling black these days. Well, I, it makes sense because we're in this digital world where for search engine results, mm. you can't just type in the word black at, on Google and you're just going to get, I guess, like a color palettes or like a Wikipedia description on the absence of light or something. But uh, That's crazy. Uh, it's just like uh, one of my other favorite albums I recommended earlier this year, uh, Lovely the Band. Yeah. Th- that's literally their name, Lovely the Band, all one word. Oh, wow. Because they went to Instagram and they're like, huh, is Lovely available? And of course it's not because it's one simple word. And so like, mm-hmm. well, let's just register Lovely the Band. And and that that's how that became their name. They were just going to be called Lovely. Mm. But, uh, and, and so with uh, with Black, he, he is, actually he lives out here in, in up in the valley now, up in Van Nuys. But um, he is from Atlanta and his second album, which, man, it's it's like this beautiful minimalist production. He, and he does... It, it's it's sort of like R and B, but with a with a hip hop flair to it for sure. I mean, and in fact, he is he, he came from this this like battle rap scene, and then he started doing R and B songs. And there, there's this this sort of melding of that, but with this overly simple but aggressively intentionally simple music behind it. I love his first album. It's one of my favorites of the last five years. It's probably my, f- my favorite album since Black Bear from Andrew Bell. Mm. It's called Free Black. I think it came out in 2016. And um, I was late to the game on that. It would have been my favorite album that year for sure. Yeah. But uh, it, yeah, this album just came out. It's his second album. And you can tell like, he's intentional with every song. In fact, I th- I think I'd like to play us out at the end of this episode with the intro to that album. It's called Unfair. There, there's this lyric in there where he says, I don't want to fight or be at war with you, but you got to want the same things. Mm. And that's really what we're talking about. This whole episode is like, look, I want to be your partner. I don't want to fight or we don't need to get into war together, yeah. but we have to want the same things, right? Dude. Yeah. It's just funny when I think about all the pernicious relationships that I've had in my life and uh, you know, all of them being my, I mean, I can look in the mirror and say like, I had a lot to do with it. I mean, for all intents and purposes, my fault. Right. Um, but the fact that I stayed in those relationships and kept keeping those pernicious relationships going, it's, I just want to like shake my, you know, 20 year old self and be like, dude, what are you, why are you working towards nothing? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you, oh, I'm going to give it a valiant effort and then I'm, I'm going to have an exit plan if it doesn't work. No, you're just like, well, I'm just going to keep plodding along. That, at least that's what right. I did, right? Yeah. So I'll keep plodding along because maybe someday if I don't change anything at all and keep going, it's going to magically get better. Yeah. That is not the case. Um, What's been adding value to your life recently? Well, man? I just got this aura ring. 
So I have the old school one. Yes. If we put them together on camera, <laughs> we become <laughs> Captain Planet. That <laughs> yeah, was Voltron. Oh, now Voltron's more of a assembly type thing. I was taking. I was taking. Uh, Captain Planet's like the hearts. Oh, uh, I was taking Captain America, but uh, uh, I was taking Ella to uh, kindergarten the other day, and um, as I was taking her there, like. There was this one kid who was dressed in full-on Captain America. Nice. <laughs> like, I looked over at Ella and said, "Where's your Where's your Captain America?" I, said, I looked at Ella and said, "I didn't know Captain America goes to your school." And she goes, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny, dude. No, this is. Uh, I've only had it for one night. Uh-huh. I got a sleep score of fifty-eight. Oh, I, that is a terrible sleep score out of a hundred. My readiness is fifty out of a hundred. Terrible. I just can't imagine this. Is, if like if this is how I act and feel on a readiness of fifty, I can't wait until. Uh, uh, You're gonna change your life with. This I can't. Thing. I can't wait until I have like a hundred ready score. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know, man. I, You're not gonna. Have, you'll never. Get I woke up. I saw my sleep score. I'm like fifty. I was like, ah, I feel like more like I'm ready to go about seventy-five. <laughs> <laughs> well, so the readiness score is is predicated on a few things. It's your resting heart rate at, at a particular time at night. It's your body temperature at night. So if your body temperature was elevated at night, mm-hmm. it's also your overall sleep score. Your overall sleep score was terrible. Mm-hmm. Now, your your sleep score is made up of a few things. One is your REM sleep, which mm-hmm. your REM sleep was actually pretty good last mm-hmm. night. But your total sleep, I think you had four and a half hours or something like that. Yeah, it was pretty lame. Part of that had to do with you traveling and stuff. And yeah, it was, yeah. It was, uh, usually the night after I travel is pretty bad. Yeah. Um, so so to keep that in mind also the amount of deep sleep that you have will radically affect it now there are certainly things that you can do to tweak all of these things and that's what you'll you'll learn over time you'll develop these patterns and you'll figure out like oh yeah if I, if I do this before I go to bed or I avoid late meals um, a late meal is going to throw off your deep sleep significantly that's one of the biggest for me dude like I get if I don't go to bed by nine o'clock, I am like starving by nine thirty. Mm. That's crazy. Yeah, and so so trying to not eat at least three hours, try and do four more if possible before bed, and you're going to learn a whole lot. So through, what you're saying is, I can eat at nine thirty. I just can't go to bed until twelve thirty. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Perfect. Well, and it'll actually tell you what's your optimal sleep time tonight. Yeah. To like, oh, it'll, well. it'll start developing patterns for you. Like, hey, tonight it's going to be best if you take it easy during mm-hmm. the day or slow down during the day because. Or, or other days it'll say, make sure you're very active today. You're yeah. ready to go. So for, uh, I didn't really explain this thing well. So the aura ring is, it just, it's like a Apple watch or like a Fitbit or, uh, ins- a sleep tracker. insert another health tracker there. Cause it's not just sleep. I mean, it's right. sleep, it's, it's heart rate, it's exercise, it's exercise, it's everything. Um, body temperature. Yes. Uh, for me, a tool like this is, it's a good I want to say motivator or maybe in, it's good inspiration. I don't know. Wh- it, wh- whichever one there. I think it has... Well, what, what it does for me, I can tell you, because I've been using it for several years now, it's a good indicator of yeah. what I need to change. And and yeah. I, I make these, these small changes over time. At first, I made some pretty radical changes, which helped me out a lot. And now it's about... Okay, uh, and, and I, I wait to look at it for a while because I don't want it to influence me. So like mm-hmm. this morning, I'm like... Okay, um, I didn't feel like I slept really well. I got up around four, and I just I, I'm not feeling great, but I don't feel terrible either. I think my sleep score is probably about a seventy five. Mm-hmm. And then I waited a few hours after I did my morning exercises, and I checked it, and it was mm-hmm. like your sleep score last night was eighty four. I'm like, yes, it was more. Yeah, you know, it's funny for me. Like, 
when I saw the 50 this morning, uh-huh. if anything, I was like, I'm going to prove this ring wrong. Uh, there you go. I'm going to go. I'm going to be 100 today. Yeah. Like, well, uh, the, the best I've ever seen was Bex just a few weeks ago. She, she has one too. And she um, she had a 98 sleep score. Wow. Um, like, the most I've ever had is a 92, I think. Yeah. And it's stuff that you guys have worked towards. But th- I mean, that's exactly why I got this, man, is uh, I, it started off with like the, the step tracker on the iPhone. Sure. And like that would to me was like, oh, okay, how many how many steps have I got in today? Have I walked enough? Have I have I moved around enough? And this is kind of just uh it's just taken it to another level with with kind of keeping track of stuff. Now if you do cycling or something, you it won't register it fully. You have mm-hmm. to put that into the app. Mm. But it's really easy to do. You hit the plus button, hit cycling, and you're good to go. Mm-hmm. But uh for walking it tracks like your your steps and it will give you recommended based on your readiness for the day. So mm-hmm. some days it's like you should do the equivalent of three hundred calories and it'll show you what that is mm. other days it's like you should really push your limits today do mm. 700 and you could do cycling you can do you know lifting walking whatever wow uh so yeah i i think it'll be really helpful for you whether or not it's helpful for anyone else i don't know we're not recommending it for anyone else but this is also like the the least intrusive for me it's the besides having my phone on me with the step counter yeah like this is the most least intrusive thing i could find the apple watch is too does too much i don't need to Wait, do all that stuff this is also more accurate than any of the wrist ones because uh, it's on your finger and so it oh, measures it better i didn't well. realize that yeah it is so it's far more that's, accurate that's really why mariah and i were kind of like oh yeah like we because she had a a misfit but it was like it was just she had to like work on different places to put it she was like uh, it was it was it was not it was good it just wasn't great sure yeah all right let's move on to right here right now so we talk about what's going on in the lives of the minimalists so we're still working on the second documentary. We, we we finished the rough cut, and what we learned is we have to go back, and we need to reshoot some scenes. Yeah. We're not going to give you the details yet because I don't want to explain the, the, the plot and the sequence of the entire film, but there's some stuff we need to reshoot, and so that might mean it's going to take a little bit lo- longer for it to come out. Uh, we're reshooting some stuff this month in October, and and in and, and doing that, we're going to learn a little bit more. Uh, the soundtrack stuff has been phenomenal that Nate and Drew are working on right now it's oh dude i haven't heard any of it send it my way man if you got some samples yeah for sure awesome um it's unbelievable there's no vocals on it yet but the he's brought in people from fictionist he brought in people from several different my favorite bands that are in utah and like they're they're writing for it they're doing strings i mean it's unbelievable that's great man putting together i can't wait soundtrack so we're reshooting uh, bits of this documentary and when it will be out i, I don't know it's Maybe our second we, documentary we want it to be well, let's talk about that dude yeah let's talk about um this project and expectations ah. and quality um yeah so long story short we have to reshoot uh, a lot of this documentary that we've already shot right and it's because when matt and josh and i were looking at this this uh rough cut mm-hmm. all three of us none of us were excited about it yeah um we all uh, kind of felt the same way with the aesthetics uh long story short um we have no expectation with this documentary this documentary you know what my expectation is with this documentary what's that uh <laughs> well i <laughs> i was gonna say this is the lowest it could get but i, I guess it could probably get lower um my expectation is is that it's gonna go straight to Vimeo and no one's going to buy it. No Netflix, no Amazon, no Hulu, like no one's going to be interested in it and uh-huh. we're going to send it straight to Vimeo and our audience is going to, we'll sell 10 copies of it. <laughs> I mean like that truly, like that's my expectation. I guess the lower expectation is 
we're just going to go ahead and cancel it, which I don't, I don't, we're, we're not going to do that. Yeah. And I, I would actually have a lower expectation than, than that because if that were the case, I wouldn't put it out. What do you mean? If, if, if we were just to, to say, if we really thought that like only, only 10 people yeah, would get it, th- th- then like uh, clearly I'm, I'm uh, right yeah. now I could put the thing out and, and uh, the, in its current state with temp music. And, and I think more people would get value from it than that. And so instead, I think where you're going with that is instead of having an expectation of like um, numbers and w- yeah, with, with views and with, with money and that stuff's crippling yeah. instead it's about having the highest possible standard. We want to be able to look ourselves in the mirror at the end of this entire process and saying, Hey, this is never going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be the best that we can do given the finite resources that we have. Mm-hmm. Our last documentary was great because we overfilmed the thing and then we practiced minimalism and mm. we called the thing we and chopped we chopped out as much more. as we could. Yeah, I mean, Matt literally had hundreds of hours of yeah. footage to make a 79 minute film. Yeah. And guess what? We don't have hundreds of hours of footage for this one. And so what we're doing is we're going back and we're, I mean, we have a lot of footage because we filmed and filmed and filmed these different talks that we gave. And then we, we filmed a whole bunch of other stuff as well. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of footage, but we need more at this point so that we can have the right footage to make this the best possible project. And then where it ends up is irrelevant to us, whether it was on Netflix or YouTube or on DVD, as long as I can look in the mirror and say, this is the best project we put together I don't care the vehicle in which it's delivered mm-hmm. I want to feel good I want to feel outstanding about this piece of art that we're creating yeah it's the it's the best that we the feeling that it's the best we could do with this project um, where we could start getting into trouble is if we oh this is going to be just as popular as minimalism a documentary about the important things that's a, that that's when the expectations um, come into play right right exactly man so yeah i do see what you're saying like yeah uh yeah if, if t- only 10 people watched the film and liked it um i mean i wouldn't consider it a failure uh but you're right i mean i guess it isn't really my expectation i mean what we are trying to do is create a project that we're really proud of that's meaningful. It's going to be meaningful and it's going to add a lot of value to a lot of people's lives. Yeah. And you're, you're right. It's somewhere between my number, somewhere between 10 and 10 million. <laughs> if we can fall somewhere in between there. Yeah. I mean, I, I, the, the last one was more than 10 million. So why don't we do better than, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, the, the, the thing that, that I learned, uh, through this whole process of, uh, of going through this is what it's regardless of whether or not it's going to be as popular as our last documentary. Mm-hmm. I want it to be better for me. I want to look at this and say, okay, we, we, we learned these lessons here. And so I've raised my standard. And mm-hmm. I think that's part of the reason that all three of us looked at each other and we were like, yeah, we could put this out, but so when it's, say- not, it's better for me. Like I feel like we've taken the lessons we've learned from the previous documentary. And feel for- better about the finished product. Not, yeah. not better about the content, not better about the interviews, not better about the B-roll, not more or less like better about like, hey, we've we've learned from this last documentary. Now we've got a, a really awesome product that or, or creation that uh, uh, that we feel great about and yes, we've like carried some of those lessons over. I do not expect, like, I don't want, because when I say feel better, like I 
don't feel better about it in the sense like, oh, this is going to be better than minimalism, a documentary about the important things. Well, I, I do. And, and, and for me, it's in terms of standards. Like, like the quality of that last one was great given the resources we had at the time. Mm-hmm. We've learned a whole lot. So the biggest resource that we've improved since then is our knowledge. So better for you is quality. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so for us, we, and I mean, Matt is leaps and bounds ahead of where he was oh, yeah. four years ago, right? Mm-hmm. 100%. I mean, you look at his YouTube channel now, he is, I mean, he's a true artist. And yeah. so just the quality of what Matt has learned, uh, that has raised our standard. You know, we get to benefit from that by proxy, but also what you and I have learned over the course of the last five years, our, our, our knowledge that, that we have developed over that period of time, I want to be able to communicate that. And so this is the vehicle for us to communicate uh it's a different message yeah it's about living intentionally mm-hmm. but it's also a lot more personal for us Th- yeah. this documentary is a more personal uh piece of work and i think mm. that's the other reason that i'm like well uh, of course our standard raises and i it, the expectation is not that uh 10 20 30 million 50 million people are going to see this thing it's that i've created the best thing that i can with the story that we have yeah and i'm going to put it out in the world and then if you enjoy it great there will be people who find value in it it's up to you mm-hmm. the people watching it to determine how much value you find it and whether or not you're willing to share the, this thing the other trap that we could fall into is trying to push something out just to get it out mm-hmm so the you deadline know, thing yeah like we were hoping to get this out by black friday right definitely not gonna well i don't want to say definitely but probably not gonna happen by black unlikely friday. to happen unlikely unlikely that it'll be up by december 31st but what i'm getting at is is that if we had this deadline of black friday mm-hmm. and that's what we held near and dear to our hearts instead of the quality or the meaning behind this i mean that that is a trap that people fall into they they give themselves these arbitrary deadlines that yes. that even though it's not unfolding the way that it should be, they're going to hold to that deadline. And those deadlines can be helpful as long as you're willing to move them if it, if necessary. If necessary. Right. And then the other thing too is, dude, it cost us a lot of money to film. A yes. ton of money. The most so, we've ever spent on, on a project. On a production. And it, uh, uh, I mean, it, was, it wasn't, I mean, it's a ton of money to us, man. Um, but my, my point is, is that we could also look at that and say, oh, crap like we just wasted you know 10 or twenty thousand dollars on this production mm-hmm. um let's not do that let's go ahead and stick with what we have because we put so much time and effort not just the not just the money dude but like we had a team of like 15 20 people there yeah it's all their time mm-hmm. so like th- th- those are questions that get raised too but you know you matt and i we can look at all that and say hey if that isn't going to be the most meaningful creation uh, with the the footage that we have, like we've got to look at that stuff like it is sunk cost. Absolutely. So um, yeah, just a couple lessons there with uh, with any of y'all that are struggling with your creations. Uh, the quality is is by the the, the quality of the uh, of the creation, or um, you know the high standards. You could look at it that way. Like that to us is the most important part of this creation. Yeah, and I can't wait to share it with you. And as soon as it's available, as soon as we have the best thing that we can put forward, there's some really meaningful writing, really meaningful talks, really meaningful interviews. Like this whole thing we found to be really meaningful. We have a really uh, meaningful... 
narrative that we've created and it's less than 60 minutes and I think you're going to find a lot of value in it but we're not ready to release it yet and so we're not going to until we think it's going to add the most value and as soon as we do release it we're going to announce our next big project we've got some really exciting news probably not going to be able to announce it until early 2019 but stay tuned for that we just uh, we just worked out a deal on our, our next project and uh Man, you're going to be excited about it because I know that we are. And it's uh, it's something that you all have been asking for for a while. And now we're going to get to share it with you. Uh, also, speaking of previous uh, projects, our our project, we, we decided that uh, the, the bag from our first documentary, the packed bag, we, we put that out last year. We, we, we partnered with Malcolm Fontier. We did this whole campaign about how you probably don't need another bag. And so please don't buy this And you one. still probably don't need a bag right now. So yeah, you don't buy it. Nothing has changed, probably, and you right. probably still need a bag. Uh, if you do need a bag, it's the one bag that Ryan and I use. I'm just going to mention this once. Uh, the, the whole uh, camp, uh, the, the Indiegogo campaign is is done, and it has its own website now, so you can purchase it if you'd like, but be really intentional if you decide to bring it into your life. Don't just buy it because it's the bag that Ryan and I use, just like don't buy the rings that Ryan and I use because those are the rings that we use. But if, you, if you're interested, it's packedbags.com, P-A-K-T bags.com. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. We'll also put links to all those essays I mentioned today, Screenless Saturdays, Would You Be Willing To, and Do I Want To Keep This? And if you want to comment on this episode, you can do so over at youtube.com slash the minimalists. Also on YouTube right now, we've got some living room conversations over at Ryan's place, some living room conversations at my place. We've got some guests on there. We've got our vlog. It's called A Meaningful Life. Episode one is up right now. We've got some house tours coming soon of, of our homes. And if you want all the podcast show notes in your email inbox, you can sign up for our email list over at theminimalists.com. Just head there, enter your email address at the top. We'll send you the show notes anytime we put out a new podcast episode. Also, any new writings, and we'll never send you any spam because that stuff is disgusting. Ryan, you got anything else for us? Yeah, man. It's your favorite part of the show. Here are some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners. Hi, Josh and Ryan. I was listening to your donation podcast, and I recently found a resource that some folks may appreciate. Um, if you have old jeans lying around that have uh, shredded or developed holes in places that are not fashionable, you can actually recycle denim through the Blue Jeans Go Green program. They collect donated denim, and they turn it into housing insulation, uh, fiberglass-free housing insulation, which is then used by groups like Habitat for Humanity and a couple of other builders throughout the U.S. Um, right now, they are partnering with a couple of retailers through the end of the year to give you a discount on buying a new pair of jeans if you donate a pair. So you can check them out at bluejeansgogreen.org to find out where to donate. And if you would like to organize a donation drive in your community, they can also give you information about that. Hi, I'm Kira coming to you from Corvallis, Oregon, and I am commenting on the podcast donating that The Minimalist just put out. And Josh had mentioned uh, two places to sell things online, and I just wanted to offer up Facebook Marketplace as an additional resource um, to sell things online. Uh, Facebook Marketplace for me has been great for smaller ticket items since I initially had used it to um, just get a couple of bucks from some wedding decorations that we had that we no longer have um, use or value for. And so I've also personally sold a lot of items on both Facebook um, Marketplace and Craigslist. And so I just wanted to offer a couple of pros for why Facebook is a little bit better than Craigslist as far as um, selling the smaller ticket items for 
um, Facebook, you use your own profile and is hooked up to your marketplace. And so for me, at least that offers like a, an accountable handle for both the buyers and the sellers. So that way you can view the profile of the person who's potentially buying something and they can also view the profile of you. And so this is a better way to offer less ambiguity than what Craigslist does. And also what another nice thing is that you can accumulate ratings on Facebook, which is another way to um, hold you and the buyers or sellers also accountable. It's really easy to renew items once a week or to keep track of how long you've had it on Facebook, along with um, people can pay you really quickly um, through the Facebook app instead of actually handing over cash, which is a really nice feature that I'm just learning to use. Also, um, you can see how many views um, people have been given to a certain item that you've put on Facebook. And if you see that you're getting the views, but no one's trying to make a deal with you, uh, you can easily knock down the price to a more reasonable one and see um, if people will take the bait there. Also, another really nice thing that I found with the Facebook marketplace is that um, you really don't get spammed at all, if not hardly, uh, as compared to Craigslist, which I've definitely gotten in the past. And so what's really nice is that um, you also don't have to give out any personal contact information. All communication happens through the Facebook Messenger. You don't have to be giving out your email, your um, cell phone number, or anything like that. And as far as items I've sold, it includes um, technology things, computer parts, clothes, shoes, decorations, and some outside equipment. Uh, it's a super easy platform, and uh, it's really easy to mass upload a bunch of things. Um, it'll take you maybe an hour to upload 30 to 40 items and um, using your phone directly, and it really doesn't take long at all. Hi guys, it's Leslie, a Canadian calling from London, United Kingdom. I'm calling to in response to a caller who asked a question about giving away baby clothes and feeling very emotional uh, about it and just looking for advice on letting go. Uh, my case may not be baby clothes, but one of the things I found really helpful was to think about it in the same way that your memories are not tied up in the item, maybe from a loved one who passed away, your dreams aren't tied up in your items either. And if you decide that right now you're going to donate those things or they're not a fit for you, um, that's not the decision to let go of your dream. It's to let go of the stuff and your dream stays with you and when that dream comes to fruition, you're going to work hard and put in place anything you need for it. So in the same way that the decision for to have a baby, it's not tied up in those baby clothes. It's just what it is. And when you're ready to have a baby, I'm sure everything for that baby will uh, you'll be able to get your hands on it. It'll work out and you'll be able to be looking at it with fresh eyes. All right, y'all, that's it for this episode. If you have a question or a comment for The Minimalist, give us a call at 406-219-7839. You can also email a voice memo right from your phone to podcast at theminimalists.com. And if y'all live here today with just one thing, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. All right, Sean, let's, uh, let's play him out with a little bit of, of Black. This is a song called Unfair.
Hope my mistakes don't make me less of a man Cause lately it feel like them really can't I'm praying I don't wake up all alone It's hard to say it so I write a song But that ain't equal to me right and wrong Stuck between a rock and a hard place And I might have to figure this out the hard way We may not end on the best terms Maybe we should love and we should learn I know it's unfair 